You're listening to Film School, broadcasting every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, and on the web at KUCI.org slash filmschool. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. In his new film, Children of Invention, our guest today, Zee Chun, tells the story of two young children living outside Boston who are left to fend for themselves when their mother gets embroiled in a pyramid scheme and disappears. Based on Zee Chun's own award-winning short film, Window Breaker, Children of Invention made its world premiere at the 2009 Sundance Film Festival and won special jury prizes at the 2009 San Francisco International Asian American and Sarasota Film Festivals. It will screen opening night at the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival on April 30th. Zi Chun, welcome to film school. Thank you for having me. How are you today? Good, good. Real good. Now... Uh, tell us a little bit about the, the uh, short film, uh, Window Breaker, that this was based on. Uh, did, when you made that film, did you have any inkling that you were going to expand on it? Um, well, Window Breaker is actually, although it has some of the same characters, the um, plot line is actually pretty different. It's about a string of break-ins in a racially mixed neighborhood outside uh-huh. of Boston and um, the paranoia that ensues. And um, it's got two little kids who are kind of making, inventing burglar traps, and their mom, who's always, you know, out doing some kind of work, um, although you never really know what. And, um, you know, when I wrote and directed that film, I never really thought I would make it into a feature because that storyline was so self-contained. But, you know, about a year and a half later, I thought, well, why not try? And um, that's kind of how uh, I started um, thinking about those characters and putting them into a a new story, I guess. Now, this children of invention is pretty much based on, it's almost out of autobiographical i'd say uh was was window breaker also yeah um window breaker was um based on the neighborhood that i grew up in uh-huh. and it was um it's a neighborhood called randolph it's in the south shore of boston and it's it was a primarily caucasian neighborhood and then in the early 90s chinese uh families started moving in and then in the late 90s vietnamese families started moving in and so there was this kind of i mean what i found a, a, a hilarious like three-way paranoia where everybody was um <laughs> distrustful of the other races and i thought it was just kind of a rich um backdrop for uh for an ensemble um short film yeah. no oh no i was going to say uh this is a you have some terrific actors in this, and uh, obviously the two pivotal roles in this are the are the uh, the brother and sister. And where Raymond did you f- and Tina? Yes, where did you find them? Um, actually, you know, we spent we spent about a couple months actually looking for our two leads, and we were trying to cast out of New York City public schools. Um, we shot part of it in New York and part of it in Boston, and we looked at uh, maybe like 250 kids in Chinatown um, schools and in Chinese schools. Um, Chinese schools are like you know it's like Hebrew school for Chinese kids. There's a, they go every Sunday and then they learn the language and um, and. Uh, yeah, we looked at about 250 kids, and we just weren't really finding what we were looking for. And actually, one of my friends was a casting director, and she had been auditioning for um, a scene in Transformers 2 that was eventually mm-hmm. cut out of the movie. But it's a scene where there's a brother and sister, and they're against maybe like a green screen of Hong Kong, and, um, and uh, you know, they see a giant robot. And uh, we watched these audition tapes, and um, uh, it's actually really cute. Um, 
so Michael and Crystal are standing in front of the camera, and the people behind the camera are saying, like, okay, you know, you're, uh, you're eating ice cream, you're eating ice cream, you're eating ice cream. <laughs> oh, my gosh, there's a giant robot, there's a giant robot. <laughs> and there was something just so natural about their reaction. Um, we felt like we needed to have them come in and read for us. And um, when they started reading for us, it became very clear that they were the ones that we wanted. And um, I think their parents were happy that uh, they were in a movie where they didn't get vaporized by a giant <laughs> monster. <laughs> So yeah. it's interesting that they actually had worked together. It's kind of funny. That, yeah, it was... Um, that they had actually... Spent they didn't time. remember each other, though. I think, I, I think kids never remember other kids. Okay. <laughs> well, they're both very... These are very unforced uh, performances. They seem very natural. Crystal's very impressive. Uh, you know, I'm, the mother. You, the, no, Crystal Chu. Uh, the, I'm talking um, uh, Tina's character. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, Tina. Sorry. Because oftentimes I find myself watching films with young actors in it. I'm looking for them to be looking around, like in, in scenes. You sort of, you, every once in a while, you'll see a child actor who just, you know that there was a take, that they, that was, this was the best take, but you find, you know that they were looking for cues or something else. I never had that sense at all. She just seemed very, uh, very comfortable with uh, Raymond, the character of Raymond, Michael Chen. Um, and uh, is, I just. Is he playing you? Uh, Michael, did you? Uh, is that that autobiographical where he is actually? Yeah, playing? it's pretty autobiographical. I spent most of my youth from the ages of like you know eight to fourteen going around to different pyramid scheme seminars with my mom and my little sister. So the family dynamic is is relatively close, and um, so that that part of it is autobiographical. There are definitely parts of it that are you know changed to make the, to to make the film more dramatic. But um, but I think a good deal of the film is is autobiographical. Um, it, you know, it was actually funny, uh, you mentioned um, the kids. I actually, for, for Window Breaker, we actually used different actors, and um, those actors were really young. They were like five and four years old. And when we shot that movie, um, most of the lines in that film are actually me sitting off camera and prompting the kids and asking them questions until kind of getting them to say something that kind of worked with the scene. And we felt like that was probably how we were going to have to work with Michael and Crystal uh, at the beginning of the, you know, the audition process. Uh-huh. But when they came to set, they had pretty much memorized all of the lines. Uh-huh. And we felt like, you know, there's a lot of movies where you feel like uh, with kids, you're cutting around performance. And when we felt like they could really get into the scene, we changed up the way that we were going to film the movie, um, try to do it more in long takes. Um, you know, there's a lot of scenes where they're kind of walking towards the camera. It's like maybe a page and a half, two pages of dialogue. Um, because we want to showcase that they, you know, were really able to do all this. Yeah, yeah very impressive, really. Uh, and there's a there's a couple of scenes. Uh, there's the I, I hate to be the spo- I don't like these spoiler uh, kind of <laughs> no toxic, but but there's a scene where they're they're briefly they're separated, shall I say? Mm-hmm. And uh, the the there is a I mean a palpable sense that uh, this is uh, you know the, with Michael uh, Chen's character Raymond of what's what could happen and he just does a very good job he's a very in this film a very kind of uh, internal um, internal acting on his part he doesn't show a lot but he does at the same time he's really very good both of them are Terrific. Yeah, actually, the kids are really funny because they're actually their personalities are completely different from uh, their personalities in the movie. Michael is really like goofy and he's funny and really like um, expressive, and uh, he's he's definitely the little brother in his family. And Crystal, um, she never complained once on set. You know, she's really whiny in the movie, but she was like a total trooper. And she came to set, you know, memorized all of her lines every day, never complained once. You know, even when we were shooting like out in the hot sun. So it's pretty funny to. See them in the movie completely different from how they are in real life. 
We, we haven't mentioned uh, Cindy Chung, uh, okay. uh, the character, the mom, Elaine, in the, in the film. Where did you find her? We found her through a casting director. Um, Susan Shopmaker in New York um, was our casting director, and she was really fantastic. She's done a lot of um, a lot of indie films, um, and certainly a lot of Asian American films. And so um, I think that she was the one who brought Cindy in. And uh, and yes, yeah, I mean Cindy's been in I think a lot of TV, and she was in Lady in the Water mm-hmm. as uh, as that uh, woman with the mohawk. Um, but this is her first starring role. Um, but Susan, we have Susan Shopmaker to to thank for that. Yeah. Now the uh, pyramid schemes play a large role in this. I know that you had some experience, at least mm-hmm. you know, watching this, the seminars, I guess. Did, did Cindy have an experience with that? Well, I think one of the one of the things that we did was my mom and my sister were on set a lot, and so uh-huh. one of the first things we did was have Cindy talk to my mom and um, kind of do some kind of personal research. And uh, actually, when um, there's this long kind of pitch session where um, the character of Elaine is trying to get people to join this pyramid scheme, and um, a lot of that was improvised on Cindy's part, and it was through talking to my mother and finding out, you know, and maybe that's where I get my, you know, my my pitching abilities from <laughs> from my mom, like you know, pitching people about uh, you know upfront fees and things like that. Um, but that's kind of how that came about. Is, is that how the film was financed? <laughs> I, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a pyramid. Yes, yeah, yeah, so he's selling. Yeah. Uh, he's selling some kind of berry juice, and yeah. uh, and, uh, and uh, that's how it happened. Uh, it's uh, there, yeah. As as uh, Nathan just alluded to, the the pyramid scheme play a lot. In, did was this uh, something that in your neighborhood a lot of people, uh, as you were growing up, kind of became involved in, or was this just something your mom found? I think it was something that you know. I think pyramid schemes are endemic to the um, maybe. Not just Chinese American, but you know, in the immigrant populations, yeah. um, especially in the early '90s, I feel like the early '90s were kind of the heyday of the the pyramid scheme. Yeah. It seemed like everybody we were talking to was like, you know, you would you people would be pitching pyramid schemes to somebody, and the person across the table would be pitching, you know, their own pyramid scheme back. Um, it seemed like everybody <laughs> was involved, and um, that's kind of I, I remember being in those rooms and, and watching these pitches and uh, and thinking like, you know, there's, you know, as a kid, you don't you want to you you always have a feeling, I think, that something's not right, but um, you, know, you also very much want to believe that uh, that you know this this scheme is going to be the one that's going to you know make everything okay for your family. Right. We're speaking with Zichun. The film is Children of Invention, and you're right. I mean, for every Amway or what's the Herbal Life, there are mm-hmm. thousands and thousands of these things that uh, just uh, are scams and. Uh, yeah. Well, and the, and the pyramid scheme here too. We're, we're concentrating on it, but it's just the device yeah. you use to to show this family and the struggles they're going through. Uh, it, it's, did it come close to uh, what you were going through in your family at that time? As a kid, I mean, I think that in the film it get, definitely gets you know worse. Um, but I think that um, you know it, it's. There, there's a, you know, I spent a lot of time with my little sister kind of, you know, at home and it felt like, you know, it was, you know, the family dynamic is, is pretty close. You know, I I think I was, we were all very close and, uh, you know, there was never any question that, you know, our, our mother loved us. You know, we always, we always knew that and that she was doing everything for us, but there were definitely times where we were, you know, at home alone and, and, uh, and, uh, kind of had to make do with what we, what we could. Did, did the, your, uh, your, your family in the movie, uh, how did they get so close to each other? How did they get that, uh, family expression going on? Did they, they go off and have any times together before they did the shoot? Did they have a family day? 
Well, <laughs> um, I, actually, it was really, it was really um, you know, from a production standpoint, it was really terrifying. I think we cast Cindy about five days before we started shooting, and we only had two days of rehearsal. So um, maybe, it's, maybe it's from that, you know, having to, to hustle together um, and try to get the scenes right. But, um, but no, uh, Cindy never got to take them to the mall or anything. Uh, did, you, did you shoot uh, chronologically? This, did you shoot as it uh, played out? Um, we we didn't. Um, we ended up shooting a lot of the interiors in New York and a lot of the exteriors in Boston, and so it was pretty um, it was pretty mixed up. And um, I think people were worried that kids wouldn't be able to handle that. But I do feel like the kids had a good understanding of the story as a whole. And um, I mean, most of the directing process with the kids was just me asking them, like, you know, um, well, what happens here? And, you know, why did you think your mom said that? And what happened right before this? And where are you guys going to go now? Um, and I think that giving them that context, um, they can, you know, they can process it. You have done a lot of films in a very short period of time. Am I correct to say five and uh, five films and one in production? Uh, is that is that Correct. Um, well, n the the one um, you're a big girl now. My next project is actually in uh, pre it's uh, in pre production. Okay. Um, but um, but yeah, I mean, I I went to undergrad at Columbia um, uh, Film Studies. There was no film production component of it. And when I graduated, I um, didn't want to go to grad school. I thought that if I went to school again, I would just you know kill myself. So <laughs> <laughs> um, I made a, I made a schedule for myself. I was going to make a short film every six months and write a feature film every nine months. So I did that for um, about four years, and it was the eleventh short film, Window Raker, which was the one that got into Sundance. Um, and so it was just like you know it was practice, and I feel like I get really anxious when I'm not doing anything. So that's kind of that's kind of why. So is that it? So you just need to be working, and that's sort of the the drive here. And yeah, and it was it was actually pretty funny. You know, it was like the first short I made out of college. It was like fifteen hundred dollars, and then as um, as I kept on making more and more short films, the budget got lower and lower, um, and I had fewer and fewer friends who would help me. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Window Breaker. I mean, the crew was um, it was me, my producer who was also in the film, and um, my girlfriend's little sister and her best friend from high school were like holding the boom. So it was like wow. it was very bare bones. Well, I, I, I this. This uh, this output, this uh, prolific output that you've been uh, doing for for a while now, has led to this film is a very assured film. Can I, if that's a, if that doesn't sound too much like a film critic to say, you just it has a, a very good pace to it, and it's very clever in that you it's really a film about these two children, but it's done in a in a very clever way. You you introduce obviously mom and the dynamic and and how the story sort of is, begins to unfold but it's about these two children and uh it's uh, it's it's a very touching film so i just want to uh say that you're doing you're certainly uh doing a, a great job in your filmmaking uh, career here with the, with this film uh no oh, thank you yeah now how did you meet your uh, uh director of photography chris teague how did that come about um, Chris Teague was um, in grad school when I was an undergrad, but we never actually crossed paths. And then he had a short film in Woodstock, the Woodstock Film Festival, and eventually went to Tribeca, too. It was called Thorndike, and it's this fantastic short film. And um, I remember seeing it at Woodstock and, you know, like running up to him, and um, I think, you know, probably pretty overwhelming at the time, saying, like, oh, my God, this is my favorite short film I've ever seen. And then, um, you know, I thought I'd never see him again. And then uh, six months later, I, you know, ran into him 
and then we started talking about what he was working on. And um, yeah, and so I, I looked at his reels. He shot a lot of narrative and a lot of documentary, and we wanted that kind of look. So right. we wanted people who could, you know, light a scene, but also improvise relatively quickly. So um, he was the perfect choice, I, I think. And then uh, Anna Bowden is your editor. How did that? How did that occur? How did you make oh, that yeah. connection? Uh, well, Anna Bowden um, was a year above me in college, and uh, she took a year a year off, and then ended up being in my class for my senior year. And um, she was one of the only she was one of the few people I kept in touch with after college um, from Columbia. And um, in 2006, um, I'm also a portrait painter, and I do a lot of painting. And um, we did a trade. Um, she had she had. Um, she had worked on Half Nelson already at that point, mm-hmm. and um, so she edited Window Breaker, and I painted the poster for Half Nelson. So we did that trade, oh. and so um, uh, and yeah, and we're you know we're good friends, and we actually edited um, Children of Invention in her and Ryan's apartment. Uh, so it's like every morning I would go over there, and poor Ryan would be like, "All right, I guess I'm going to go to the public library oh. for." Ten hours. Well, had had they finished uh, Sugar at that point? Or? They had finished Sugar. Um, okay. They had, uh, I think they had, they had taken a little hiatus from the festival circuit because they were doing the deal with Sony Pictures Classics, and so she had a little bit of time. I mean, the timeline for this film was really, really fast. I wrote it during the writer strike, so um, mm. it was like the first draft was done March first of 2007 and then we were shooting by july and we were editing while we were shooting so anna was we were like running hard drives to anna she was editing while we were on set and then we submitted it to sundance in i think late september early october and we found out by november that we'd gotten in so it was um it was uh, luckily that it worked out i mean we had a very little margin for, of error for error, rather. That, that uh, I would assume, of all of the, on the festival circuit, hearing that you've been uh, asked to be at Sundance has got to be uh, uh, one, of the, one of the big thrills. Yeah, it was pretty, um, it, was really, it was really exciting. I think it was, I mean, having this short uh, in the festival in 07, getting that phone call was probably the most exciting, just because at that point, you know, I had been out of school for a little while, and I was doing random videography and portrait painting, and, you know, you never know whether you're doing the right thing um, by making all these short films, some of which are, you know, we think are horrible, and, you know, some of which you kind of believe in, and so getting that phone call was kind of like the first real, uh, you know, hey, you're doing something right, so um, that was was really exciting. All righty. Well, we're speaking with Z Chun, and the film is called... Children of Invention, and it is going to be the centerpiece of the Asian uh, Pacific Film Festival coming up. As now, he, as did he ter- you, did as you he... make the spaghetti forks? <laughs> oh, <laughs> who made them? Yeah, yeah. Did you did you all oh, sit around right. and make them individually, oh, or did you have a spaghetti fork maker on the set? Well, it was you know a lot of it was done by um, Sheila Dvorak, who um, <laughs> I've co-directed a bunch of short films with, and she like she did so much stuff on this movie. She was like assistant director, she was uh, associate producer, she did all of like the props. She she did like <laughs> I mean she's she's by my side like uh, it, when we do, you know, when we shoot anything and she's she made those, you know, 100 spaghetti spinners. <laughs> yeah. Are, are those souvenirs for the film? Is that the uh... The p- the they part. would have been if the kids hadn't broken all of them. I think. <laughs> yeah, those were very cool. And yeah. I like what I liked was when when they weren't in spaghetti, they spun like crazy. Uh-huh. You put them in the spaghetti, and they they were just they the right break. speed. <laughs> <laughs> they will break. They will actually break. <laughs> I was wondering about that. Well, they were kind of you know, but it was it was a very cool idea. And I, so, now, I, how in, in the end, it sounded <laughs> like you you were fairly I don't want to say rushed, but you had a short tam- time frame to make this film. 
You were uh, shooting it in, in different segments in different cities. Uh, you had some children there who were involved in their first feature. Uh, how much did the stress get to you? <laughs> that's, that's a lot of LA. Actually, it was, it was okay. I think I was, this was the least stressful production I've ever been on. And I think part of it had to do with, you know, everything I'd done before, I'd had to produce everything. So it was like, you know, it was like shooting everything, and then I would have to, like, go and drive and pick up pizza for the cast and crew oh. and then, like, come back. And this one, you know, Minette Louie, our producer, did a fantastic job. I mean, she squeezed so much out of our budget. We got 25 shooting days. I mean, we were, she was, um, I mean, our joke was that she never even saw any of the footage while we were shooting because she was always like in the next room <laughs> basically locking down locations while we were shooting wow. you know the first week so um you know, I, kind of it was actually really it was actually really surprisingly calm yeah that's a great producer to have how did you get in touch with her I met her at um, actually at a dinner during the Tribeca Film Festival in 2007, and um, I actually worked. I, di I did some location scouting for um, Mutual Appreciation, the Andrew Bajowski film, and um, she was a co-producer on that. So we had never met during that production, but um, you know we we somehow knew of each other. I guess uh, I want to also give. A can I say this anymore? Can I give a shout-out to T. Griffin? Uh, the music is yeah. really... Can, can oh, I say yeah. that? I mean, no, no not that... Well, um, yeah, I mean, it's very Arsenio Hall. <laughs> it is a very Arsenio Hall moment. But the music is terrific. Um, and uh, where did you uh, come across T. Griffin? Um, T. Griffin, I mean, his name is Todd, but apparently there's two Todd Griffins who are uh, both composers, and one of them is like a death metal composer with long black hair, and this guy <laughs> is not that one, so um, he goes by T. Griffin. Um, but Todd is a, um, he was a Sundance Composers Lab fellow, and so we, um, I emailed um, some people at Sundance for recommendations for composers, and Todd lived, I think, like three or four blocks away from Anna, so he just came over one day and we talked, and he seemed to be the right choice, and, um, you know, he'd done, he's, he did the music for his wife, Esther Robinson's film, A Walk into the Sea, and uh, which won the Teddy for Best Documentary at the Berlin Film Festival, I think in 2007, 2006, maybe, mm -hmm. and, um, but this is his first feature narrative, and, um, yeah, he's got a band. I don't know. He was, he just does everything. He's like a mad scientist. We uh he composes everything in his basement in Brooklyn. Um this like windowless basement with like hundreds of gadgets and little boxes with levers and stuff. So <laughs> it was it was a cool experience. Very cool. Well, uh unfortunately we've run out of time. Uh the film is uh, Children of Invention. Uh it will be as I said opening night. Am I correct to say opening uh, night? Opening night and it plays again at the Lumley Sunset on uh, May 3rd, but opening night is April 30th at, at the DGA. At the, that, that's the Directors Guild of America in case uh, we're not all up on that. And oh, yeah. It's the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival. It runs from April 30th to May 7th and uh, opening night, that's, that's yeah, about as cool, cool that. as it gets I think. Thank and, you. Uh, and, uh, and we'll hopefully we get this distributor and we're out in, uh, in the, the general release pretty soon here. So, that would be awesome. Uh, all right. Well, <laughs> terrific. Zichan, thank you so much for being here on Film School. The film is Children of Invention. Thank you for having me. To learn more about Film School, listen to more interviews, or subscribe to our podcast, visit our website at kuci.org slash filmschool.com.